Hey everybody, welcome to The Gun Show. Today we're going to be talking about one of the topics that interests me the most, but not that I'm an expert or have any expertise in it, and that's going to be EDC carry. So, thank you guys. Uh, today we're discussing the uh, the EDC gear that we're all carrying, uh, why we've sort of chosen what we carry, and uh, why we're a bunch of weirdos who don't carry what the internet typically tells you to carry. Um, we're going to briefly cover guns that we carry, uh, sort of the carry gear that we use to to contain those guns, uh, belt, holster, um, spare mags, if any, uh, spare mag holders, if any. And then we're going to move on to things like med gear. We're going to talk torches, both uh, your primary fighting torch, weapon-mounted lights, um, and something that's really important, which is a utility or task light, uh, which is often overlooked. And then we'll get into... Uh, some more philosophical things around uh, the guns that you you may want to consider and why you want to consider those uh, for carry. So uh, I suppose I'll I'll start because I think I've been carrying longer than the other two. Um, and uh, part of the history, I I started carrying almost twenty five years ago because as we've discussed, I'm getting old. Uh, been through a it's in fact a running joke with most of my friends how many carry guns i've I've been through over the years uh carried everything from great big giant service pistols to to some little pocket pistols uh kind of over time i kind of knew what i wanted and 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 that changed because you know this is a clever idea that's a clever idea what i find myself carrying my sort of primary carry gun nowadays, um, and we thought we'd start with guns because that's exciting, but but everyone wants to hear. Um, what I carry the majority of the time now is a G48, a Glock 48. Um, it's, you know, I've, I've jokingly called it this a couple of times, but I really do think it's it's the thinking man's carry gun. You've got a gun that's big enough that it shoots like a gun. It, it's not a little pocket pistol. You You can shoot a really good standard with it. Um, not quite the same as a full-size service pistol, but really, really close. While being convenient to carry, and I know the internet tells us that it's not supposed to be comfortable, it's supposed to be comforting, but I'll tell you what, if you carry the thing 18 hours a day, after a while, if it's not comfortable, you're not going to carry it at all. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's an easy gun to carry. It's a concealable gun, and, and to me, concealability is a big Thing. I think it, it sometimes gets short shrift in, uh, in internet discussions and in discussions. Uh, I'm a big fan of, of carrying a gun in such a way that people can't see that you've got a gun. Uh, you know, people tell you all the time how soccer moms and that can't, uh, they're not, you know, everyone's looking at their phone and the soccer moms aren't going to notice the gun or the bolt. I'm not worried about soccer moms. I'm, I'm not worried about anything like that. I'm, I'm worried about someone who is in the business of, Finding, you know, of crime, uh, and if they're in the business of crime and they spot that I've got a gun, they're going to change their reaction to me or, or their approach to me. And I, I'm not working on the assumption that they're going to go, let's not attack this guy. I'm working on the assumption that if they see that I've got a gun, they may come at me more violently, more aggressively, and more unexpectedly. So I'm a big fan of of, of the G48 because I think it ticks a whole lot of boxes, big enough to carry. Um, or big enough to fight with, small enough to carry. It's small and light enough that if I have to, I can clip it on a pair of board shorts uh, and still have a reasonable size fighting pistol. Um, but big enough that it works well, reasonable capacity, reasonable reasonable caliber. 
Uh, I'm a big fan of appendix carry. So I, I carry that in a uh, tentacle velo. I think it's the generation four or whatever the current one is uh, with a DDC clip. And I am a massive fan of DDC clips and carry holsters. I think they are the greatest invention ever. Uh, easy on, easy off and super secure and super flat. So you don't have the clips uh, bulging or anything like that. I think that's a really great uh, sort of concept. It's going to get a, a dot put on it as soon as lockdown's over and we can get back into the really real world. But at the moment, it's got a set of Dawson night sights, and I'm quite a big fan of night sights and carry guns as well, despite what the internet tells you. But we can maybe discuss that in a little bit later as well. So, uh, yeah, the, the whole thing about carrying a gun in such a way that no one knows that you're carrying is uh, that getting shot in the back of the head, you never see the fight coming because they saw you coming well in advance. And uh, they don't take you on from the front because that would be dangerous. Um, you're, you're putting yourself at a significant disadvantage, letting people know that you are uh, equipped in, in a way to defend yourself. Um, and for the guys who, who have never played a, a game of spot who's carrying, uh, if you just walk around a mall or uh, an average restaurant, uh, you, you will be surprised how often, if you're looking, you will spot guys who are carrying. And sometimes it's it's a little tell in his shirt doesn't fit right or he keeps fucking scratching something that he shouldn't be scratching or he's doing something that's a little bit awkward and you notice. Uh, but sometimes it is so bad that you don't just notice that he is carrying. Sometimes you can tell what he is carrying if you spend a couple of minutes looking at him. Um, that is a scary thought. I mean, your your concealment game is trash if I can tell through your clothes what gun you're carrying. Um, you, you really need to, you need to rethink that and stop putting yourself at, at such a disadvantage against people who are essentially career criminals and are skilled at violence. Uh, they're, they're not there to play with you. They're not there to, to, to be sort of soft-handed with you or, or to take it easy on you because I've only been carrying a couple of days or I'm new to this or I've never had this experience. They're coming at you and they're coming at you hard and they're coming at you harder if they know that you have got something that has some value to them, if they take it from you. Related to that, and sorry to interrupt, I I hear all the time and I I see all the time, people say things like, I've never, no one's ever spotted my gun. You know, I've been, I carry whatever, this giant service pistol and no one's ever spotted my gun. And and my my answer to that is, when you meet someone, how often do you tell them that they've got bad breath? Uh, it's not something we do. We don't walk up. We don't say uncomfortable things to people. If someone's in your face and they've got bad breath, it's not a common thing for people to go back off you smell. By the same token, it's also not a common thing to walk up to strangers in shopping centers with firearms and point out to them that they're strangers in shopping centers with firearms. It's an absurd argument uh, because I spot people with guns all the time. I don't, as a rule, walk up to strangers and tell them I've spotted their gun. Uh, but I'm aware of it. So I, th- I think that's something to bear in mind is just because I've spotted lots of guys with guns who will probably tell you that they've n- no one's ever spotted their gun because no one's ever said anything to them. So don't confuse. No one's ever said to me that I've, uh, they've seen my gun and no one's ever noticed that I'm carrying a gun. Sorry. It was just, so, it, I no, no, no. That's, that's, that's a really good place to jump in with that. So I have been spotted once that I'm aware of. I'm sure that I've been spotted significantly more than that but I've been spotted once that I'm aware of. And it was a security guard at a mall who spotted me carrying. 
I thought I was fine. I I didn't think that there was any problems with what I with what I had. Um, I I thought that it was reasonably well concealed. Uh, now at that stage, I was still carrying a six hour P two two nine, which is a little bit of a fat gun, and I was carrying in a holster that wasn't ideal for that gun. Uh, it, it made it print more than was apparent. And the problem was that I didn't realize that I was printing quite as much as I was uh, because to me it looked okay. But I can't see myself from all the angles in all the lighting that people in the real world can see. So you can look at that thing in the mirror where you have shitty lighting in your dressing room and it looks great because there's nothing casting shadows because the light's shut. But you go out into the sun and all of a sudden you've got a weird crease in your shirt or there's stuff that tells a tale that something's there. Um, I'm going to briefly jump topics uh, to, to pocket knives and, uh, and torches. Uh, those things give you away. If I'm walking through a shopping center and I spot the pocket clip, and I have the pocket clip because I, I do this, but I tend to have my T-shirts a little bit longer so they hide the clips. But um, if I spot the pocket clip, I go, this dude's got a knife or this dude's got a torch. He's probably of a similar mindset to me. Might not think the same way, but he might have a gun because he's carrying a pocket knife. Um, and he's carrying a pocket knife in such a way that it is easy to access. This dude's probably, he's probably got something else on him that I might be curious about. Um, and criminals are better at spotting those things than we are because uh, I'm not looking at you like food. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at you like another dude who just happens to be shopping. That dude's looking at you going, knife, knife, torch gun, thick wallet. I mean, they're looking for you uh, and they really are. Uh, so let's move on to, to what I actually carry. Uh, mine's a little bit different to tease. Um, <laughs> massive fan of appendix carry. Uh, I carry a Colt lightweight commander, nine mil uh, in appendix. I carry in a JM custom Kydex. Um, I can't remember the exact model. Uh, doesn't really match orange. It's it's orange. It's bright orange because danger. Um, I use uh, soft loops, two soft loops on the holster that I'm carrying. To carrying, I find that that works really well with this particular holster. Um, I have quite a few other holsters that are set up with DCC clips. Um, I have used things like the J and the C clips in the past. I found the the, the plastic ones to be quite shit. Um, if you don't break them, and I've broken quite a few, uh, they're quite bulky compared to a soft loop or, or, a, or a DCC clip. Like DCCs are, are the business um, for, for concealment. Um, I find that a, a claw and a wedge on my holsters really help and it allows me to carry my, um, my belt not quite tightened to the same point that I would need without that. So it helps me with, with lower back pain. I spend quite a lot of the day sitting so having a belt a little bit looser tends to work. Um, I tend to carry one spare magazine, uh, a, a nine-round magazine for everyone wondering, because I like to get killed on the streets with my granddaddy's gun. Uh, I carry one spare mag, and it's not because I think I'm going to do a slick mag change in the middle of a gunfight. Uh, that's, that's not why I carry it. Uh, in terms of modifications in the gun, um, pretty much none. Uh, it gets lubed. It works. Uh, it's got a 10-round mag that I carry, and I, I reload to 9-round mags. Uh, the firearm does not currently have night sights on it. 
though um, I personally think night sights are a really big deal on carry guns. Like it, we've shot a night match with carry gear. And uh, if I wasn't restricted on the gear that I could use, uh, well, we, we self-restricted to carry gear. But if I wasn't restricted on which, what piece of gear I could use on specific stages, it would have gone a lot better because I would have used the torch every stage. But we were restricted in what could be used for some stages and we were required to shoot just the gun, no torch, no additional light source. And I found that even though I could see the targets because there was sufficient ambient light to pick up the targets, I could not see my sights. Uh, that's not a problem if the target is really close, but when you're shooting a, a little steel target at, I don't know, 12, 15 meters, that becomes a significant challenge. Uh, you've got no contrast between your front sight and the target, and you've got no contrast between your front sight and your rear sight. You can't see them. I probably shot more marks that night than I've shot ever, uh, just because I didn't have the, the gear that's needed. Uh, now, I do carry a torch always, uh, and that's even when I'm not carrying a gun, I am carrying a torch. But we night sights are massively useful and should be a key consideration for anyone who is who is doing any form of uh, of EDC. You should just carry a dot because that's the civilized thing. I should just carry a dot because that is the civilized thing. Um, but like get, getting like a G forty five MOS. You know, I'm waiting. My dealer is a bit slow. Guys, <laughs> uh, want to pick us up on what you're carrying? And uh... yeah, sure. I just want to jump back to concealment quickly. You know, for for most of us, we've got someone close to us who knows that we carry every day, or we carry as often as we possibly can. If you need to have someone honestly critique and check your concealment game, ask them to have a look. Uh, ask them to honestly evaluate what you're doing, how your concealment's looking with what you're carrying and how you've got it set up. Um, and, and don't stand perfectly straight in such a way to make sure that the gun's concealed. Yeah. Yeah, so ideally have them sort of analyze your your concealment throughout a day or throughout the evening or with whatever period of time that you have with them. Have them analyze it then, not in a specific stance where, oh, look, can you see my gun environment where you're going to be standing differently and behaving differently than you normally would. Exactly. Um, so, so the key thing on that, sorry, guys, is you need to move around. They need to move around you and you need to be in varying light because everyone checks themselves under the same fucking lights that they have in their dressing room. And those lights are set up in such a way that they hide creases. They hide shadows. They're not a good place to check concealment. They might be a place to check concealment, but you need to you need to do other places too. Direct sunlight, shade outside, that that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so basically, what I'm carrying at the moment is Glock 19X uh, with a Daniel's appendix holster. I can't remember what the model's called exactly. It's got the wedge, it's got the claw, and then I complement that with one spare mag, also Daniel's. Um, mag pouch which also sits just off center appendix uh with the cobra belt as well and that's been a really good setup for me uh having the claw and the wedge like Cornet said made quite a big difference to my carry with the work and the environments that i find myself in i'm regularly kneeling or bent over working in a cabinet 
And having a setup that doesn't have much forgiveness or your ability to have the belt a bit loose can become uncomfortable. And obviously that's compounded by having a slightly bigger gun as well. The concealment's a bit harder, carrying it's a bit harder. Um, I started carrying with basically a CZPO7, went over to Glock 23, went to Glock 17, now I'm on Glock 19X. And if I was being honest, some days I wish I had a smaller gun like a Glock 48 or Glock 43. But for the most part, the Glock 19X works for me nine times out of 10. So guys, when you say that you sometimes wish that you had a smaller gun, uh, why is that? Why, why does that matter to you? What difference does it make? It, it would make the comfort of carrying a gun for, the, for, for me anything between 18 and 24 hours a day easier. Um, this, the slightly uh, the reduction in weight plays quite a big role. And then the, the size of the equipment that you require to carry reduce, uh, increases the amount of comfort that you're going to have on those longer days. So just, just to pick up exactly on that. Um, so I started carrying a 229. Uh, I then went to a G19. And uh, then I went to a lightweight commander, um, which is, it, it's, it's quite an, a weird combination of guns um, for most people, I think. Uh, the, the 19 is definitely what most people would be most familiar with. Uh, what I found going from the 2 to 9 to the 19 is the 19 was lighter. That didn't make that much of a difference to me. What made a bigger difference was the uh, the sort of width of the slide is less on the 19 than it is on the 229. And I'm not sure how much of a difference that that is in reality. So if you measure them, but in terms of the concealment that I got out of a 19 versus the 229, the difference was massive, even carrying an appendix. Um, moving on to... So the, the, the 19 and the 229 are roughly the same size if you look at them from the side. The um, lightweight commander that I'm currently carrying has a slightly longer grip and a slightly longer slide, but it is skinnier than both of those guns. And I find it substantially easier to conceal. Um, I, I personally think that Rating guns as, as more or less concealable based on the length of the grip or the length of the barrel or barrel slide uh, is less of a deal, big deal, than the thickness of the gun, which is where things like a, a Glock 43 or a 48 or a 43X um, or a M&P shield or, or any of, of those sort of more micro compact guns, but um, the, the key benefit to those is that they are skinnier and not that they are shorter in any other dimension, uh, which is why a 48 makes a fantastic carry gun. It's easy to shoot, substantially easier to shoot than most of the guns we've just mentioned. Um, and it conceals really well because it's skinny. Terry will be able to sort of confess to that because he's carrying one now. Um, and that's, a, that's an excellent carry gun choice. And I think that gets us probably a good time to chat about the little, a little bit of the philosophy in bunny years of, of this whole thing. I started out carrying a long time ago a Beretta 92 and two spare mags because that's what you needed to carry. Full-size service pistol, two spare mags. And then that got replaced with a Colt 1911 and two spare mags because that's what you needed to carry. And, and now I find myself carrying a relatively compact gun with generally a spare mag 
thrown in a pocket and killed on the streets. Sometimes I don't have a spare mag with me. So this may be the last time you ever hear from me. Um, it's not that the threat got less. It's not that it, it, it's none of that. It, it's, I think it's a dose of reality. And I, and I think it's a bit of a dose of reality that gets missed out on the internet is a dose of reality that gets missed out in the gun shop. And it's a dose of reality that gets missed standing bullshitting around the bride. Uh, and I think the first thing we need to bear in mind with that is most people who, who tell you that they carry a, a gun every day don't. And almost everyone who tells you they carry a full-size service pistol every day doesn't. There are, there are, there are obviously people who do that. Um, I think all of us know some people who do that. But what I've discovered working in the industry, dealing with gun people, and that is a lot of the guys whose everyday carry gun is a Glock 17 surprisingly carry the little Taurus 85 38 snub a lot more than they tell you about on the internet. Um, and a lot of the guys who carry a full-size service pistol every day don't carry a gun every day by my definition, which means you put on a gun in the morning and you take a gun off at night. A lot of them don't carry guns at work. Um, so we need to bear that in mind. When people are giving us an advice and going, this is what you must carry, and I've had it. I've, I've, I've been in a situation where I was showing someone a, a gun and it was a Glock 42 because after a long discussion, that was kind of what was going to fit that person's lifestyle best. Guy with her starts going on about how anything less than a Glock 19 is a waste of time and you're an idiot if you carry anything less. So I asked him uh, where he was carrying his 19 because his concealment game was fantastic and I couldn't see his gun. And, oh, no, no, I don't carry a gun to work. Well, then you don't get an opinion, sunshine. You don't get to tell people, you know, is a Glock 42 or, or, a, or a shield or a 38 snub the greatest carry gun in the world ever? No. Is it the gun you want in your, in your hand if you get into a fight? No. Is it a thousand times better than not having a gun? Yes. Uh, and this is what we need to bear in mind. There's an old sort of piece of wisdom about carry the biggest gun you can. And that's true. But it needs to be People forget the you can bit and just focus on carry the biggest gun. And and I, I've given the advice to people over the years before I kind of cottoned on to what was happening, which was you say to people, carry a Glock 19, it's a great gun. And what they hear is anything smaller than a Glock 19 is not really a gun, so I may as well not carry it. So if I can't carry that size gun, and it doesn't have to be the Glock, it can be an M&P compact or a 320 compact or insert gun of choice here, PO7, P10, that sort of size classic carry gun. They they kind of heard that if you couldn't carry that, then you just don't carry a gun. So if they couldn't carry what is for all intents and purposes a service pistol, they weren't carrying a gun, which meant that the majority of the time, they didn't have a gun with them. Uh, what? And I think the biggest game changer in this market was was a few years back when Smith & Wesson introduced the M&P Shield. Uh, I think that gun was a game changer as far as carry guns went because we went from a time where you could buy some really fat little subcompacts or you could buy sort of little pocket pistols in 380 that really weren't that reliable and were really difficult to shoot. And Smith were the first people, they weren't the first people to make a gun like that, but they were the first people to kind of crack the code and, and be commercially successful with a full power nine mil in that sort of platform. And, and, and that now, now we've got things like the G43 and the 43X and 48. Um, we've got things like the 365 and the 365XL. Uh, more and more manufacturers are kind of jumping into that space. And, and I think a big part of that reality is it's a gun people will carry. 
Uh, and before I get too long-winded, I think that that's important as well. Sometimes we get a little bit worthy and we get a little bit hair shirt and we get a, we get a bit of a, well, if you're not prepared to dress around the correct gun, then there's a problem. And some people can't and some people won't. Some people are not prepared to change that, their lifestyle that much that they will completely change how they dress and all of that to carry the gun that you think is acceptable. Well, if they're willing to make the change enough that they'll put a shield on or, or put a G43 on or a 43X on or, or, or whatever, that's a much smaller change in their lifestyle and they are much better armed. Um, th there aren't a lot of situations that you could solve with a G19 that you couldn't solve with a G43X. They exist. But there are a lot more situations you could solve with a shield that you couldn't solve with foul language and an iPhone. Uh, so I think we need to, to bear that in mind sometime when we're giving advice, when we're taking advice. We need to think outside our own heads. Not everyone's a hobbyist. Not everyone is someone who wants to carry a gun. And to be honest, when you've been carrying a gun for, for a few decades, the appeal starts to wear off. Um, you know, you... you and, and it's important to remember, we carry a gun to protect our lives. We don't live to carry a gun. Um, the, the gun needs to be something that we can, the most effective tool that we can we can slot into our lifestyle. But it shouldn't be a case of, I can't do things. I can't go to this place because I can't take my gun. I can't do this thing. Or, you know, I'm, I'm never going to go swim with my kids because I have to wear a photojournalist vest and all of these layers so that I can carry a full-size pistol, four spare mags, a med kit, three full fixed blade knives and a crossbow. Uh, we need to look at a, a realistic approach to what you can carry the most you can without a doubt, but carry the most you can. Don't not carry because you can't, you can't carry what everyone on the internet says to you is acceptable. So sorry about that little um, long yes, monologue. So <laughs> I'll I'll wrap that monologue up very nicely. Um, what you carry needs to, and we're talking gun specifically here, not not all the supplementary gear. Your gun needs to be something that you will carry the most in terms of duration of time, without getting tired of it and without putting it in the safe because it's heavy or it's uncomfortable, while meeting that critical criteria of concealability. Okay, so if you're going to only carry it for an hour a day because it's too fucking heavy, that's not your carry gun. You may call it your carry gun, but that's not your carry gun. And if it sticks out like your fucking Quasimodo when you're carrying small back, like that's not your carry gun, despite the fact that your head tells you it is, which is why you can't go on the internet and tell people to carry the gun that you've chosen. Um, I am I'm not out here advocating that anyone starts carrying 1911s, despite my absolute love for them. Most people just shouldn't carry them. That, that's just a fact. Um, so I'm not advocating to start carrying the shit that I carry. But beyond that, even if you're a dude of the same bold as me and this, the same shooting experience and the, the same philosophy, your clothing situation might be vastly different to mine. So the fact that I can carry a commander-sized gun and hide it reasonably well and carry it with great comfort for pretty much every hour of the day uh, doesn't mean that you can do that. 
So going on the internet and saying, dude, you must buy a 19 because I carry a 19, or you must carry a PO7 because PO7s are awesome, is bullshit when you're talking to the little girl who works at the local hairdresser who wears a figure-hugging outfit and weighs fucking 45 kilos. She can't carry a PO7. It's too bulky for her to conceal, and it is probably too fucking heavy. She doesn't have the same. You don't need to be super strong to carry those things, but like it, it's tiring. You, you need to be able to carry the weight of that firearm all day, every day, essentially. And some of the advice that people give on this stuff is is completely off base because they don't take the other person's entire situation into account. We we have a the three of us have a friend, and I'm not going to give any hints to his name or or, or his occupation, but um, you two will know who I mean. We have a friend who works in an environment where getting caught with a gun would get him fired instantly. Um, he's not breaking any laws, but he, he is the, the company policy would be such that he would be fired instantly and he would probably be unemployable in his field. Um, so he carries a Glock 42. And the fact is he can carry a Glock 42 because he can conceal it. So yeah, he could lug around a 19 and 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 be all sorts of tactical. And and all it takes is that one day that someone notices it and says something. And not only does you know he, not only is is he in in trouble and can't carry a gun, um, he could find himself in a situation where he can't work and he can't make a living and feed his family. So that, is that everyone's reality? No, but it is his reality. And and if we then push. This is what, you know, if we say, well, gas can carry a Glock 19X, what's wrong with you? Are you, are you not a real man because you can't carry the same sort of gun as gas? Well, that, they work in pretty different environments. Uh, so it's something that we need, to, we, we need to kind of bear in mind. And I thought that was quite a good example to bring up. That, that is a very good example to bring up. Um, I think one of the important things um, that happens with guys who are giving advice with what guns or EDC gear is going to be ideal for another person is they don't actually find out what the background is to that person. Your work environment, you know, there, there's so many different factors that can influence a, peop- a person's interest in carrying a gun. May, anything from comfort to their work environment, to their home life, to the clothes they wear. And even it could even boil down to their personality. You know, maybe they really don't want to carry a gun, but they've considered it for good reason. There's a lot of factors co- to consider when it comes to that. Exactly. So if, if we just look at work environments, um, Gaz is self-employed and he, he works out on sites with clients where I suspect there might be some repercussions to uh, being caught with a firearm potentially at times. I don't think it's super common, but at times. Terry works in the gun trade. He's probably expected to have a gun uh, with most of the clients that he interacts with. Uh, so his requirements is different. Um, but if we just take my requirements for a moment, I work from home and have done so for nearly a decade. Um, I leave the house to go do shopping and drink beers with friends, go shooting. Um, but beyond not at the that, same I, time. not at the same time. Yes, the thing to <laughs> clarify that. But but it, I, I leave the house for basically recreational purposes and not really for work. So my re- reality is that I could carry my competition M2 SP every day. Like my competition shotgun could be my EDC. That is not reality for pretty much anyone else I know. And as ridiculous as that sounds, 
that is what a lot of people are doing when they confer their, their choices of carry gear onto others. Uh, they're, they're making absurd assumptions based on limited uh, experience in, in other people's reality. I, I would gladly carry a Glock 42. The whole argument of uh, the 380 ACP is, is massively underpowered is not true. There, you need to be careful with ammunition selection in some of the smaller calibers because we know that they don't necessarily have the same expansion and they don't necessarily have the same penetrating depth as some of the bigger calibers, but they are absolutely effective against human beings um, for self-defense. There is nothing that precludes that gun from being effective in stopping an attacker uh, if it is employed by skilled hands. If you hit the areas that are important on a human body with 380, that person is going down. So yeah, that's sort of the guns that we carry and sort of why we carry them. So I want to sort of move on, and we may come back to some of the stuff in a moment, to what ammunition we have chosen, just as a, as a, as a curiosity, because there is some magic fairy dust, according to some people, in some ammunition, and uh, there are some things that are, are widely considered to be popular but highly ineffective. Um, so I carry 124-grain Ranger T, uh, nothing special. Uh, I primarily chose that because, one, it works on my guns uh, and, and all the guns that I've shot it through. I haven't had any significant problems with them, uh, even though we, we know that they have had some QC problems in the past, but I haven't had any significant problems myself. Uh, but more importantly is I can pretty much always find stock, which is to me quite important because I don't want to go through the whole process of retesting a firearm with a new brand or new profile of, of bullet every time I go out to replace my EDC ammo, which is reasonably frequent. Yeah. So for me, I also run the Winchester Ranger T-Series. I've tried the 124s, 127s, and the 147s. They all work in my gun, and I basically run them for the same reasons as Cornet. I can get it when I need it. They're easily available. And all three of those different bullet weights and the profiles have worked reliably across all of my defense guns. Um, I think I've got 135 grain already critical duties in my gun at the moment. Uh, <laughs> I, I find the ammo really fascinating, and I think it's, it's as an intellectual exercise, is super fascinating. And it's something people spend far too much time getting bent around the axle about. Uh, find a premium hollow point that shoots straight in your gun and works. Make sure you function test it. And then stop worrying about bullets. Um, I like Hornady because their quality control is really good. Um, it's generally pretty available. I'm not a huge fan of, of plus B or plus B plus stuff in smaller guns. Um, partially from a controllability point of view. And, and a big thing is also from a reliability point of view. Uh, you know, your slide velocity, especially plus P plus stuff, your slide velocity goes up. Everything's got to work that little bit harder to work. Um, so I, I, in a smaller gun, I'm, I prefer not to go sort of, to either go standard pressure or plus P. Um, I think I've got plus P plus stuff ready for my G17 for when the times I carry that. But this, uh, as I say, I think I've got the Hornady in there. When I get a new gun, I function test it with as many hollow points as I can, um, to cover the, the concern the guys are talking about. So, I'll I'll shoot it with ranges because they're always available. I'll I'll shoot it with with quantity if I've got. I'll shoot it with a whole lot of different things. 
be you know make sure it works see what shoots accurately in the gun see what shoots where the sights are you know if, if you're living in the stone ages like i am at the moment and have iron sights on your gun they're a little bit harder to adjust um so i want something that shoots point of aim point of impact and shoots uh straight enough in the gun that's important to me um and then yeah carry hollow points because full metal jackets generally the quality control is not as good because they're made to be cheap uh they're more likely to exit uh, exit someone and, and pose a risk to innocent people, which is a big concern. They're more likely to ricochet should a bullet um, miss or hit a hard surface. Um, and contrary to popular belief, they don't go through common barriers as well as modern premium hollow points. So that's kind of where I am on, on that. Don't stagger your rounds. Don't load snake shot. Don't load anything stupid. Go find something that's easily available, that's a premium round. Make sure it works in your gun. Buy as much of that as you can. Basically, don't reload your own uh, self defense ammo. Um, no, I wouldn't. We 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 know that you you are a, a reloading guru and you've never had a problem. Uh, but I think the three people on this podcast shoot significantly enough, and are around other people who shoot their own reloads significantly enough that uh, we've seen some spectacular stoppages caused by. Uh, by reloads, um, and not always caused by people who are being uh, who are not being careful or not being attentive when they're reloading. Um, pr- bad primers are a thing. Um, cases without flash holes are a thing. <laughs> like there's so many things that that can go wrong when you're doing that yourself. Um, we understand that it might be a little bit cheaper, uh, but honestly, it's it's not worth the the risk that you're putting yourself at doing that um premium hollow points are expensive we know but they're well worth it simply from a reliability point of view the other thing is getting getting the good bullet is harder if you're going to reload and there is a difference between a bullet with a hole in its nose and an xtp well xtp is an older design but an hst or or a ranger t or or a critical duty whatever those are little machines they're little machines and bullets um that are designed to work through a whole lot of different realistic barriers we don't generally have access to the powders to to get the same velocities as the factory does we don't have the same access to reducing flash and if you shoot premium ammo in the dark generally it doesn't flash you shoot your reloads in the dark often there's quite a big flash good stuff is often sealed on the on the case mouth or the primer or both um there's just a lot happening there that you're not going to do so uh, for the 600 bucks or whatever a box of ranges costs uh, by the time you've worked up a load you've probably spent more than that anyway and then you've got all the other challenges of finding unfired brass and and, and all of that it's just it's false economy it it's it just isn't wise i'd, I'd rather go buy some magtech blue bet box you know, bullet with a hole in nose, mark one cheap hollow points and carry that and go through the mission of trying to reload my own carry ammo. Exactly. Uh, I just want to, I, I just want to touch quickly on what Tarek was saying about testing your carry ammo. You need to keep in mind that just shooting it with two hands in your normal stance and environment is not always going to yield the most correct results for you. Make sure that you're testing your carry ammo, your selected carry ammo with Shooting it one-handed, either left or right hand, unsupported, regularly. Absolutely. Uh, just, just touching on on just a little bit beyond just the testing, um, replacing carry ammo. Uh, I, I know that some people will carry the the rounds in their gun 
basically until they retire the firearm. I'm going to go the, story about that. <laughs> they, go the, they go to the gun shop, they buy a gun, they license it, they leave with a box of ammo. That box of ammo goes into one or two or three mags and it lives with the gun forever and always because they never shoot them. Uh, for those of us who do shoot them, we don't always shoot our premium ammo because fucking expensive. So we occasionally unload guns and reload guns. There is some, some problems with repeated chambering of rounds. Uh, one of the, 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 the issues is bullet setback, which can increase uh, pressure. Usually not that big of a deal because you shouldn't be setting them back that much unless you're like a really like chambering things like 35 times or something stupid. Uh, but bullet setback is a thing. Um, beyond just simple bullet setback, every time the bullet sets back a little bit, you have a chance of lubricant getting past the seal between the bullet and the case mouth, and you may end up with dead powder. We know of at least one documented law enforcement case where the priming compound was knocked out of the primer through repeated chamberings, and I think he had three or four rounds fail. Two rounds. Top two rounds. What he would do is every day he'd unload his gun and then reload. And the top two rounds got rotated for a year. And both rounds were dead uh, yeah. when he needed them the most. Um, so we, we know that that is reality and that does happen. Other things that happen is bullet setback obviously changes the, the profile and the overall length of your bullet a little bit. So something that used to feed reliably might not feed at all now, um, simply because the dimensions have changed. And you have issues with things like uh, you're dinging the, the cases up at the back um, and you might end up with extraction issues where you end up with a, a case that goes boom, doesn't come out the chamber because there's nothing left for the extractor to actually yank on to get that thing out. Um, so we advise changing your carry ammo routinely. What routinely means is uh, up for debate. Terry has a really awesome system of how he does that. I'll have him explain where that comes from and, and what he does. Um, I copy that. I find that that's the, the most sensible way of doing it that I can think of at the moment. Um, so when we reach the, uh, the limit, that stuff goes in the, uh, in the practice box and they will get shot, but they'll get shot not when I need them, but when I choose to. So what I do is, and this is something I stole from uh, Claude Werner, is every time a round gets loaded into the pistol, into the chamber, it gets a stripe on the on on the head of the case, which is where the primer is, not the bullet, um, with a permanent marker. And there's a I put a stripe on there. And every time it gets loaded, it gets another stripe. And when when it's got four stripes, it goes to the bottom of the mag. When the whole when everything in the mag has got four stripes on it, that all gets shot off and replaced with fresh ammo. Uh, that way, remember a cartridge is only really designed to be loaded once. So I'm I can't afford to only load and, and, and unload them once. But that way I'm reducing the the dinging on the rounds. I, I'm not having the same two rounds getting loaded and unloaded all the time. Uh, something I have seen with my own eyes, um, and, and the make of ammo is irrelevant, but it was a very well-known uh, popular premium brand of ammo. A mate of mine a few years back had been carrying the same ammo in his gun for years. I'd nagged him and winded him and told him that he needed to shoot it off. And yeah, 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 yeah. You're just being an old woman. And eventually, when he decided to shoot it off, the second round, so the first round in his mag, so the run in the chamber went off, the first round in his mag had a hang fire. Now, hang fires are when you get a delayed reaction between the firing pin hitting the primer and the gun firing. 
they're super rare. You know, if you if you read gun books, you'll hear about them all the time. A lot of shooters have never seen a hang fire in their life. Um, it wasn't very long. It was probably a second or a second and a half between the click and the bang. But that was with his carry ammo in his carry gun. Uh, I don't want to be in that situation because I don't want to be in the situation where I'm trying to now clear that round out or something. And that was a case of nothing had happened. The round hadn't been swung with or anything. It had just been carried and loaded and unloaded and, and you know, gotten lubricants and that on it. So it's a real thing. It's not anyone trying to sell you anything. Um, worst case scenario, you know, most of us aren't unloading our carry gun every day. So a box of 50 rounds will probably last you a year. Uh, it's 600 rand a year in insurance. Um, it's not a huge amount of money. Uh, and if it is, is a huge amount of money, maybe jokes aside, carry cheaper ammo. That magnetic stuff I mentioned or something like that. Yep. So ammo price is a real consideration for people when they're choosing their carry ammo. Um, I know guys who are spending lots of money on premium ammo. Uh, and I mean, like I, I've paid like 1500 bucks for 50 rounds of 357 SEC HST. And the problem with doing that, I, I bought a ton of it at that stage because it's all that I could find. But the problem with doing that is you go, ooh, precious. And you get to the point where these things are so expensive, like 38 bucks a round or something. I cannot shoot these things, which means you don't do the function testing to begin with. And then when it, the time comes to actually cycle those things and, and shoot them out, um, they're, they're so dear that you go, oh, I can't do this. This is too expensive. Uh, and you're increasing, I, I can't tell you how much you're increasing your risk by but you are increasing your risk of having significant malfunctions at some point. Um, I would be much happier with you carrying something that is more affordable and more easily available and having the ability to replace them every year. Um, I, I think that's a sensible thing to do. If you can afford the, the more premium ammo, we know that they perform better through certain barriers and they perform more consistently in, in some other medias. Um, if you can afford the more premium ammo and still afford to replace them on a good cycle, I would do that. But if you can't, carrying magtech, hollow points, nothing wrong. They're reliable. Um, they might not be quite as reliable as some of the, the more premium stuff, but they work. Um, I haven't shot a lot of that, but I've shot a lot of their FMJ. Like I haven't had any issues with their quality control. Uh, the, the stuff works. Uh, and you can afford to replace it frequently which is the the important bit of this talk is the fact that you can replace it frequently um and then obviously with the pricing of stuff don't buy into snake oil um buy ammunition that i, I know that the fbi test has at times been controversial but it gives you a really good consistent uh way of comparing ammunition get something that performs within their margin of error or their their critical bounds in that test. Anything that doesn't perform well in that doesn't matter how cool it looks or how deadly the name is, avoid it. It's not your carry ammo. If you want to shoot in the range to look cool, whatever, that's your life, it's your choice. Please don't carry it. It's not generally a good idea. I think one, one last thought on ammo before we, we move along. If you're complaining, if you've spent more on a Friday night at the pub than the price of a box of ammo that you're complaining about the price about. You need to slap yourself and look at your priorities. 
if if you if you're complaining that I can't believe this is a 500 rand box of ammunition while you're spending 800 rand at the pub, you know everyone likes the dope, but you need to balance your priorities a little bit in life. Before we move away from guns and ammo and onto uh, supplementary equipment that we think is very important, um, one of the things that I've found to be super important, and I know Terry uh, agrees with this because he's the person who taught me this when I went on one of the courses, is when you're choosing a carry gun, if you have a selection, so if you have, if you own two firearms or you own three firearms, I'm not talking about when you're buying your first firearm, but when you own a couple of firearms, the one that you should carry should be the one that you can conceal, the one you can carry all day, but you also need to be able to shoot it well. Um, Gabe White has an excellent uh, test. Um, I can't remember what the the name is of Gabe's test. I've always called it the food court standards. He's got a proper name for it, but... uh, He does. I can't even remember. I've seen more people call it the food court standards. (laughs) Okay, so so food court standards by Gabe White. Look up Gabe White. You'll see his his standards. Um, If you... The gun that meets the other requirements, that you can complete a proper Gabe White test with is the one you should be carrying. And the other one you should be working until you can meet those requirements. Um, accuracy standards is a real thing in defensive situations because we're accountable to every round that we launch. But there's also a very real timer at the end of a gunfight. Um, it doesn't go beep, it goes boom. Uh, and the, that test has both elements mixed in really well. You shoot it from concealment using your carry gear to the minimum standard that he sets. Um, I can't remember what it's called. It's called the dark pin. It's, the lock, it's either the dark pin or the light pin. I can never remember. It might be the light pin. Mm. Uh, you, you don't need to shoot to a turbo standard. Uh, you can go look this up. You don't need to shoot to a turbo standard, but at least strive to make his, his bare minimum, which I, I think you're right. It's the light pin. Uh, if you can shoot that to a turbo standard, you don't need our advice on carry guns. Yes. If, if you're shooting turbo, <laughs> what the fuck are you doing listening to us? <laughs> Oh, go enjoy your beer. You deserve it. <laughs> you're, you're probably dry firing. You're probably dry firing right now. Well, we're in lockdown, unable to shoot drinking whiskey. You're dry firing. <laughs> you're a stud. I think that is something to consider in EDC as well, is that your fundamental gun handling skills have to be at a certain level as well, so that your proficiency is there, which will help you deal with the situation a little better, not having to think about your equipment. You know your equipment and you know how it functions. I think that's also something to keep in mind. Shoot your gun. Let's briefly talk about carry positions. So we've all said that that we 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 like and we wholeheartedly endorse appendix carry. I like it because one, my drawers are slightly faster from there. Uh, the gun is easier to conceal for me. The gun is easier to access for me, sort of most positions. And it's easier for me to maintain good control over my firearm. Uh, because it's in my peripheral all the time, and I have my hands and my arms in a place where I can, I can manage people who are trying to get near it. So we we know that uh, sort of three o'clock carry, strong side carry, is reasonably popular with people. Uh, I find that to be significantly harder to conceal, uh, and I find it to be quite uncomfortable because it's right on your hip joint, um, which is why I think a lot of people push back to four o'clock carry, sort of start of small back carry. Um, that is a problem, guys. 
some people can really make that work, but what I've personally seen is guys who wear, who carry in that way with t-shirts. They go into a shop, they bend over or they reach up for stuff and uh, you fully expose your firearm. Uh, and you're exposing it to a world that you can't see because it's behind you. There are definite pros to carrying appendix versus some of the, the other sort of carry positions that people choose. Um, there are some potential downsides to, conceal, uh, to, to appendix carry for new carriers. And that comes down to training. You, you need to attend, preferably training with a, with a reputable instructor who can teach you how to safely draw from appendix and more importantly, how to safely uh, return your gun to the holster from appendix. There is a technique to it. It's really easy to learn. It's not complicated, uh, but it's, it is critical that you, that you learn that skill if you're going to do appendix carry. Tarek offers some courses that covers this. Uh, there are quite a few other instructors in the country that, that offer these courses too, that cover this in detail. Uh, but just uh, if you're going to appendix, be aware that there are some techniques that you need to learn. It's obviously true for the other carry positions too, but appendix tends to get a bad rap for those. Yeah, I think the perception a lot, amongst a lot of people, especially men, is that uh, with appendix, your gun is pointing at your balls. Uh, that's the big thing that freaks guys out. To be honest, your bigger concern should be your femoral artery um, because while you can live without your nuts, you may not want to, but you can. Um, generally, if you manage to shoot yourself in the femoral artery, you've got about 30 seconds to do everything you ever wanted to do in your life again before. Um, but, you know, I've seen lots of guys with strong side carry who have flagged their entire pelvis. The gun comes in at an angle, and if they punch a bullet across their pelvis, trust me, that is a devastating gunshot wound. So, it's not a it's not a carry position thing. It's a, you having the correct gear, having the correct training, and being mindful of what you're doing, which people are not often aren't. Small of the back, I'm not going to recommend it. You know, if, if if you fall on your back with a big piece of metal across your spine, you can do yourself a permanent injury. It's really difficult to defend that in a grapple, um, and it can, in fact, it can make it easier for your opponent to get your gun than than it is for you to get your gun, which is a challenge. There's the concealment issues. Strong side carry, lots of people have carried strong side for a long time. I carried strong side for a long time. I find appendix more comfortable and more concealable a little bit quicker. But if you're carrying on your strong side, just make sure it's concealed. Pocket carry has a place, especially for people who work in non-permissive environments in places where they need maximum concealment. A small gun in a pocket may be the, the, the logical solution to them if you're going to take jackets and, and jerseys and all of that sort of thing off. Because I'm going to tell you now that little clip on your belt that no one can see someone's going to see and they're going to wonder what it is. Um, and the advantage to pocket carry jokes aside is you can start the thing with your hand on your gun. People don't, a lot of people don't realize that. You can be, if, if you're in an uncomfortable position, you make sure it's in a pocket holster, but you can put your hand on the in your pocket, um, have your hand on the gun and have access to that gun with a, you're standing up with a super sporty draw. So we're not going to discuss every carry position imaginable, but don't 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 fall for the hype. As I say, the, the new appendix appendix carry everyone thinks is new. Um, if you look at pictures from the old west and sometimes of pirates, you'll see appendix carry. It's not that new. Um, it's trendy at the moment. It has a lot going for it. You don't have to do it if you're not comfortable with it. But also, don't be uncomfortable with it for for silly reasons. If that makes any sense at all. Shoulder holsters. You're not an, a detective in a 1980s cop show. So. Uh, you're 
probably better off just avoiding those. I want to touch on one more mode of carry briefly, and then we can move on. Um, off body. Hmm. So we don't generally advise off body carry because you can be separated from your firearm in, in various ways. Uh, there are instances where off body carry is your only option. Those do exist. And we can't just say that off body, off body carry is bullshit and no one should ever do it because there are legitimate situations in which that has to happen. However, if you have the choice, on body is always preferred. Um, if you get snatched out your car and your gun is in your purse, chances are that you're not taking your purse with you when you're getting pulled out of the car. Your gun is on some stupid fucking dash mounted magnets. You're not taking the dash with you. Okay. Like that's just not going to fucking happen. Um, on body is preferred. Sometimes that is not reality. If it's not reality, make sure that you're carrying in, in some way that it is accessible to you while you're carrying it. Uh, there are some bags that are specifically designed for this purpose. Uh, and obviously make sure that however the firearm is contained is within the bounds of the law. South Africa, you have to have a holster. Holsters are very loosely defined, but you have to have something that is designed for carry of firearm. So be or, sure. Or, you- or, or in a bag. It doesn't have to be holstered in a bag, but it is wise to make sure that your trigger it's guard is covered in a bag. Very wise to have the trigger guard carried. Uh, in fact, if it's not. That's very silly. And if you can't cover the trigger guard, that's about the only time that it's acceptable to have an empty chamber. Yep. Exactly. Like, again, we don't advise the empty chamber carry if it can at all be avoided. There are times when it can't. That's reality. Um, doing it just because you think that it's cool makes you special forces. That's not a reason. Um, yeah. Well, Thanks so much, everyone. Uh, what we're going to do is we, we've decided to turn this this into a two-parter because there's quite a bit of stuff. So thanks so much to listening to part one, which was our discussion on on guns and and that from from the EDC side. Uh, attached to this episode will be another episode where we discuss all the cool guy not gun stuff, the knives, the medgear, the torches, all of that sort of thing. So that'll be available as soon as this one comes. You can download it at the same time and listen to that. So once again, to all you cool cats and kittens out there. Thanks so much for your time. Look after yourselves. Stay safe. Bye.